At our closing ceremony, we can say that these were a games by everyone. Sebco, at the closing ceremony of the London 2012 Olympics and Paralympics, Ten years on, this is my London legacy, highlighting everyone's role, stories and memories of London 2012. London's bid for the Olympic Games wasn't about six weeks of sport. It was about the legacy and about the investment opportunities. For fundamentally a regeneration programme in East London. Just on our own land, we're looking to deliver over 5,000, so a lot more homes to come. You were able to kind of come out your door or leave your house or leave your flat and you'd understand which street you lived on, which wasn't the same as any other one. Perhaps the most exciting part is still to come. With so much green space and some of the best transport links in the world, Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park has already become one of the most desirable residential locations in London. 10,000 homes have already been built in the 10 years since the Games, focused in two of the park's new neighbourhoods. But in this second episode of My London Legacy, we hear about the properties to come and the new communities planned. I'm Rosanna Laws. I'm the Exec Director of Development at LLDC. I'm responsible really for all of the development work we do on the park. So it's not just about the physical buildings. Really, it's about developing a new piece of city and creating a place where people want to live and work and play. So I think we've made great strides. I think our focus immediately after the Games was to ensure that we had our first neighbourhood on site. Um, and we achieved that. That's Chubham Manor. That's an incredibly uh, successful neighbourhood. I'm Claire Hebbs. I'm Director of Development for the north of the park. Yeah, so Chubham Manor um, actually completes this year. Um, it should be before the summer. So that will be a really momentous point, actually, in this 10th anniversary year to have completed our first residential development. Um, and it's well loved. Um, the people who live there um, enjoy living there. And, um, and certainly we have learned an awful lot through delivering that, um, which we've carried forward into, into the next developments. Yes. So our next neighbourhood is Eastwick and Sweetwater and our first phase has completed there just over over 300 homes. Um, so we're hoping to start our next phase at um, Eastwick and Sweetwater later this summer. Following on from that, then we have East Bank and East Bank is a, uh, a culture and education district which will bring together those institutions. But set alongside that will be um, around 600 homes just opposite the aquatics and next to the Victorian Albert Museum. I'm Janet Townsend and I'm Director of Development for the projects in the south of the park. Uh, yeah, so I'm mainly working on the projects that are not yet on site, um, but we've obviously been doing a lot of planning over considerable years for that. And because there's such a huge quantum of housing, then you can't re well, you can't develop all of it at once. You can't bring it all to market at once, but even just construction logistics would be impossible to have everything uh, on site at the same time. Uh, but I'm working on Stratford Waterfront and Bridgewater, which is a joint venture. We've been procuring a partner for that um, over the last few months and we're just concluding that process now. So we should be announcing our selected uh, developer for that in the next few months. That will be really exciting because the Stratford Waterfront Residential will be the start of residential adjoining the East Bank programme, so next to all the cultural buildings right in the centre of the park. Then we will take our fifth 
neighborhood forward at Pudding Mill Lane. Again, that's another 900 unit homes with about 36,000 square meters of uh, commercial floor space and employment space. That's incredibly important. It's not just about the homes, it's about the jobs and the opportunities, education and, and otherwise that is that is uh, integral to, to the parkland. And then finally, we have a site at Rick Roberts Way. And again, we hope to be in the market um, to identify developer partners for both Pudding Malane and Rick Roberts Way later this summer. So yes, five neighbourhoods. As part of the original planning for the legacy, we looked at what the area needed, not just in terms of numbers of homes and indeed affordable homes, but also what types of homes. So the area historically has had a very sort of transient population. So we are trying to cater for a whole range of residents within the park as well. And we are delivering a significant number of family sized housing within that. I think um, providing homes on the park is almost like a, a symbiotic relationship um, and the UK desperately needs homes. Um, and so providing the homes, particularly um, the high proportion of affordable homes that we have, um, clearly fulfills that need, particularly in an area of London um, where um, the need is, is so severe. Um, but equally, providing the homes brings an awful lot to the park itself. Um, and I think we know from other areas that a place that has nobody living there can feel quite empty at times. Um, and so the character of the park and, and actually some of the um, humanness, if that's a word, um, comes from having people actually living on the park um, and being there all the time at you know, different times of day. Um, and it makes it feel a real part of, of London um, rather than just something stuck on the outside. I'm Peter Maxwell and I'm the Director of Design and I've got a design overview across the whole of the park. Delivering housing that people recognise, London's obviously a very different place to kind of Barcelona or Prague or other ways. And there's certain kind of types of housing we have, terrace housing, muse houses, mansion blocks, which people recognise and I think love. And also the kind of public space around it, like London squares as well. And we've tried to make sure that um, the developments that we're bringing forward are actual places and have elements of those places that people can recognise and kind of learn to live in. Um, as kind of similar points with the kind of inclusion element here, we're really keen that we are providing housing for a variety of different family needs and family sizes. And one example would be within Chobham Manor, um, where we've got uh, what's called a multi-generational home, and that's directly kind of responding to um, the demographic that is within kind of London Borough Newham specifically with larger kind of extended families and providing an opportunity for a type of home, which is really a terrace house with a little annex at the back, that you can have not just the kind of two adults and three kids, but you can have your elderly mother or your kind of um, teenage son or teenage daughters continuing to live around a little courtyard. And that's we're trialling things like that here as well that kind of actually um, hopefully meet the kind of needs of a modern family and um, kind of modern the modern population. And finally, just one point on in terms of the sustainability, I think. Right at the beginning, we've been at the vanguard of trying to push kind of environmental sustainability. That's obviously a changing kind of field. 
But um, again, our first neighbourhood in Chobham Manor, um, looking at zero carbon homes and making them very kind of efficient in terms of how you insulate them to try and reduce the kind of heating bills and things like that. So we're trying to deliver housing that is quality, robust, and uh, people can learn to live there um, over a large period of time and don't have to keep on moving out as well. We're incredibly focused on, you know, design quality of all of our homes and we want we have ensured that all of our homes whether they be houses or 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 apartments have their own balcony space or garden space so everybody has access to open space within their accommodation but also access to this beautiful parkland one of the benefits we have as a legacy uh, corporation is that we have a kind of pipeline of um housing developments and neighborhoods coming forward and that's really important because it means that we can set standards at the beginning of what we want to um, receive and understanding what the residents um, think about their homes, but also how it's maintained and managed is really important because you can never design everything and design um, all of um the needs and wants of everybody. So going back and asking people and seeing how things work in in practice is always really good policy. And it's really good kind of uh, to understand that as a developer and landlord. And so we've kind of recorded some of these lessons within our own policies. So we have a kind of design quality policy that um, looks at housing standards, for example, but also in terms of some of the kind of design elements within the overall park. And these kind of set a kind of benchmark, which are important to us, but they've actually been picked up and kind of understood by some of the wider developers outside our own developer plots. I think we've kind of helped in that part as a kind of public sector developer. Did any of you think in 2005, when Jacques Rogge said the word London, that by the time 2030 comes along, 96,000 people would be living in the Olympic Park? Um, no, I don't think I did. I was actually working at King's Cross at the time when that when the Olympics was announced. And um, so I have to say I was less excited about the park itself and more excited about the Northern Ticket Hall going on. And I think from my perspective, I remember coming here in 2005 and I think we were actually, I was working for the government at the time and we were working in parts of Newham and trying to cross from Hackney Wick through Carpenters, along Carpenters Road, Carpenters Estate, to Stratford High Street, and it was, it was impossible. You kept on getting lost every, everywhere um, in amongst the industrial buildings and everything else. I think it's fair to say London didn't think we were going to win the bid. Uh, we were just behind Paris, and I was there on the day when that announcement came through. So I think it, it was a combination of elation and also kind of a a, a shock of realism crikey we're going to have to deliver this now but I think I think where London has been unique in its bid for the games is that the legacy has always been front and center and at the heart of uh, the ambition um, to host the games it was an opportunity to catalyze regeneration and investment in in this piece of city so I certainly wouldn't have um, focused on the numbers, but we were certainly alive to the scale and the opportunity. Um, so yes, I mean it's been it's been an incredible 
I think London's legacy has been an incredible story. And I know it's a story that, you know, we constantly support host host cities, both in their bids and in their planning for legacy. So I think we are seen as a as a beacon of good practice, um, which we're delighted about. But I think what has been important for for London is to be really clear about what its vision is, be really clear that it is about legacy and it is about people. It is about regenerating a piece of city. We knew we had something special on our hands. Ten years in, is it all happening soon enough? Is it happening quick enough? Although we've only really started the housing, we have been putting in a lot of the social infrastructure ahead of that. So, you know, we've built secondary schools, we've built primary schools, we've removed and uh, reconfigured roads. Homes are part of the story, but it really is about developing or or helping a community develop. Nobody can create a a community. It has to, I think, have its own own life. Um, and, And our job is to put the pieces there so that people can pick that up. Um, and take their own ownership of it. To be totally honest, I think the park is is almost at the beginning of, of that phase. I mean, clearly the venues are um, are, are ten years old. But in t- as we've said, in terms of people moving in and actually turning the turning the park into somewhere that people live in, and so becomes a real piece of city, um, we're we're at the foothills very much. Um, and so I think the next ten years will be absolutely transformational. There's a large number of houses being delivered at any one time. So it could be kind of 900, 1,000 homes. Um, People remember kind of um, the times of the 1960s and kind of um, Soviet-style kind of housing blocks where it's a single design, it's repeated again and again. And we've tried to introduce kind of variety based um, on some kind of well-tried and tested housing models. So um, it gives a bit of character to individual streets and the character doesn't just come from the buildings, it all co- also comes from the trees and the planting and other things. And as as kind of mentioned before, it, it provides the kind of backdrop for community life, we hope. Yes, uh, yes, I'm I'm convinced we will. You know, I think we'll be going through a period of transformational change. Yeah, I would agree that the most exciting part is still to come. And for me, I think obviously working in the south of the park, it actually is spreading that regeneration further south, particularly south of the railway um, and even south of Stratford High Street, so that it's not just the park that's, that, that is actually physically bounded in a, in a lot of ways by railway infrastructure and large roads. But it's about getting that with those benefits spreading further into the existing communities that are already there. You know, when East Bank opens, we'll have 10,000 students on our doorstep come uh, September next year. Um, that was going to bring, you know, really, really quite um, a dynamic buzz to the park. More people will be living on the park. More people will be coming to learn more businesses will be coming to reside on the park to innovate and work alongside those institutions to bring some of that some of that ambition to life so so much has changed during the journey from the bid in 2005 to the games in 2012 and now 10 years on it really does feel that it's still just the beginning in so many ways thank you to rosanna peter claire and janet for taking us through their London legacy. Homes are incredibly important pieces of infrastructure that, that make a city tick and work. 
the fundamental change from being an industrial, quite hardworking area where the Lee Valley was kind of hidden away to being one of the best kind of urban parks in the last kind of 20 years is just nothing short of miraculous, I think. It's just an amazing transformation over that period of time that we've got to now and obviously more to go up to 2030. It's well loved and the people who live there enjoy living there. And certainly we have learned an awful lot through delivering that. This is My London Legacy, the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park podcast. Don't forget you can share your memories on social media, hashtag London 2012, hashtag pass the baton, and sign up for the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park updates, exclusive offers and experiences at 10yearson.queenelizabetholympicpark.co.uk. Music